Is St. Anthony really the second largest city in Texas? That doesn't make any sense to me. It is. It's Dallas and then San Antonio and then Houston. Or no, sorry, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Are you going to... And you're there for the Spurs game. Oh, oh, you said... Okay, St. Anthony. I was like, is that a real place? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. San Antonio. Oh, I I didn't catch that I just don't speak Spanish. (laughs) I was like, what's St. Anthony? I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, Yeah, I am here. There was a Spurs game uh, the night before last, which was very frustrating uh, because it makes it a lot harder to convince people to come out and see a comedy show. And that's also because they fire guns in the street, whether they win or lose. Oh, God. Well, they don't shoot at each other, fortunately. They mostly just shoot up. Sure. But yeah. But what goes up stays up forever and is fine. <laughs> what goes up gets out of sight and is therefore no longer my problem. <laughs> Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 198. We have now done as many episodes as the number of nonviolent protest methods described by Dr. Gene Sharp in his 1973 book, The Politics of Nonviolent Action, Volume 2. Do you think that's just a list where he's like, well, you could throw blue M&Ms at him. You could throw green <laughs> M&Ms at him. Wait, that's violent. Uh, is yeah, it? That sounds a little well, violent. Okay, I yeah. feel like that's just gifts. You could eat blue M&Ms at him. You could eat green M&Ms at him. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, and it was yeah, well, the 70s, I mean, so it was you could eat light brown M&Ms. What? What? Oh, world there. I missed those, I think. Yeah. There were a lot of, like, there were a lot of fairly obvious ones, like protests, sit-ins, and pamphlets and stuff, but they also had such gems as mock funerals, hmm. mock awards shows, and uh, my favorite, the more general... Humorous skits and pranks. <laughs> when in doubt, mock it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things that don't seem very practical, this week we are talking about the second half of Inferno by Dan Brown. You can get this book for free if you'd like by going to audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep and giving up on your taste in books. If you go to that address and you sign up for a free trial, you get an audiobook of your choice, anything that they have, and you support our show at the same time. It's sort of like, because you have the perfectly good thing of supporting us and the perfectly bad thing of listening to this book, it would sort of be like being in purgatory. Is that oh. what purgatory is? Like, I don't know. Purgatory half good, half bad? Like, isn't that just like an existential detox? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I'm doing emotionally is thinking about lemon juice and paprika. With a little cayenne. Yeah. <laughs> With cayenne, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, I like the idea that your purgatory won't work because you just had too much paprika and not enough cayenne. <laughs> if you want to force us to read or watch anything under the sun, you can sponsor a topic from us. Go to readdishweep.com and then click on the green dollar sign and you can click to sponsor an episode. And uh, that's a great way to decide our future. And also, like, if you think we're doing too many movies and not enough books or too many books and not enough movies or too many movies or books and not enough of... Uh, your audio recordings of you sleeping. Whatever you want to do, <laughs> go uh, there. Preview clip. <laughs> mm. No, Ezra, wake up. Not that early. <laughs> End preview. Let me introduce you to your panel for today. I'm your host. Today I'm reporting live from San Antonio, Texas. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Underthing Falcone. And uh, here are some of my friends. First up, today in our Seattle studios, he's at Ezra Fox on Twitter, it's Ezra Fox. Alex, I don't have the plague. 
I'm just allergic to latex. <laughs> I still think you have the plague. <laughs> and someone punched you in the heart. <laughs> heart punch. Common mistake <laughs> for the plague. Also joining us today, he's at C. Walter Smith on Twitter in Seattle, Washington. It's Chris Smith. Buongiorno, Alex. I am a Venetian water limousine driver. Not a water taxi. Because a water limousine's a thing. <laughs> it was weird that he kept saying that. It's just calling it the limousine. Like, is it's it just longer? a slightly longer, slightly blacker boat. Yeah? <laughs> and, and and there's like a drunk girl leaning out the top of it screaming. Prom that- coming! I did, I did like that uh, Chris Rock special. Slightly longer, slightly blacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us, uh, she was uh, here last week in Astoria, New York. It's Lisa. I'm not really sure what side I'm on or who I'm pretending to be or whether there's actually a crisis. (laughs) (laughs) That is a summary of the book. Well done, Lisa. We can go home now. (laughs) Now, Chris, it is time for you to summarize this book. Please, today, do so in the style of a guy explaining to another guy that everything he's learned since his amnesia was wrong. (laughs) Including the amnesia. Yeah. (laughs) Including... Okay. Which was okay. there, but different. I got this. I got this. Uh, you're confused. Do you remember me? No. No. Do you remember sandwiches? Okay. Okay. Yes. Good start. Um, <laughs> do you remember last week when Robert Langdon, renowned Harvard professor and symbologist, because that's the thing, um, went to Florence and he woke up in a hospital bed in Florence and he had no memory the last two days, but... Uh, He's accompanied by the beautiful and brilliant young Dr. Sienna Brooks. And together, they're going to connect the dots on a breadcrumb trail of clues left for them by an evil dead genius who's going to unleash a plague on the world. Everybody watch out. There are soldiers trying to stop them. There's this weird uh, middleman organization called, uh, well... I forget what they're called. The, the organization, I think. Or consortium. The, the, the consortium. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. Um, and the, the and group of friends. <laughs> the, that's right. The uh, Quakers. <laughs> the, 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 the promise <laughs> makers. Yeah, the, the promise keepers. The friends of Dorothy. Yeah. Anyway, they. Um, so uh, they're helping the bad guy. Um, they're helping, uh, you know, kind of arrange things and, and do logistics for getting the video out, announcing this plague and everything else. The, the big PR rollout. <laughs> yeah, the big the hey guys. Rollout. Introducing new plague. <laughs> anyway, the World Health Organization is very concerned about this plague, but they also seem to be trying to stop Robert Langdon from actually uh, – finding the plague and and stopping this thing from being unleashed so it's very unclear whose side anyone is on because robert langdon cannot remember the last two days um so that was the first half of the an book. attractive quality in a protagonist i know <laughs> who's supposed to have a perfect memory that's his superpower yeah. perfect memory right. what if we take him away he's a guy who isn't good at googling things <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway so in this half of the book uh, they do some more symbology, and they go to some more places. They go from Florence to Venice, and uh, you know, with the with the authorities hot on their tail, and uh, you know, they go from Venice to Istanbul, which they learn is the is the wait, place. Wait, wait, wait. They went to Constantinople. Yep. No, not. No, it's Istanbul. It's Constantinople. No, now it's no, Istanbul. Not, not Constantinople. <laughs> Just ask the Turks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so they go there, and it turns out uh, the the virus. Um, is going to be unleashed from this cistern that's also a concert hall. 
because that's a thing. And um, it's in it's in a water soluble bag, so it's like a time release delay. And guess what? It chicken butt. No, well, there you go. Uh, so good. Chicken butt. Um, guess what? They thought they were going to stop the virus. They thought they had one more day. Turns out they had negative five days. The virus is already released. It's already out there. And you know it's what? Already it's already in America. Yeah, wow! Wow. You know what? And instead of a horrible, horrible, horrible plague, it makes a third of the world randomly sterile because it's meant to save the world from overpopulation. And everyone's like, this is so horrible. What do you think, world government? And world government goes, eh, we've been looking for a way to kind of, you know. This wouldn't have been our best way. But we're not not glad it's out there. I mean, since it's here... It's it's really just like a a great argument for the private sector because yeah. like yeah. Um, <laughs> no like here's the thing like government organizations like can't do anything but this one guy um, delivers a plague that like totally fixes the problem and does it seven days early. <laughs> It's time for our compliment sandwich. That's how we start and end every show since episode one. And that's how we decide uh, to show people that we are fair and legitimate criticism. Lisa, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. But I would like to mention to you before you make that decision, Ezra's got something he's got to get off his chest. I'll go last. Very nice. All right, uh, Chris, I want you to be second. Damn it. Hooray. <laughs> no, you know, as go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, sorry. Uh, Bertrand, right? Bertrand? Yeah, Bertrand. Oh, okay. Great. He's so, the evil dead genius who wears so, a mask. Bertrand Zoberist. Okay, so for about th- four chapters... Uh, By far, of all the Zobers we've met, he is the Zoberist. <laughs> oh, Are you sure you're Zober enough to drive? <laughs> no, 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 I'm the Zoberist. Yeah. <laughs> Bert, maybe you better take a seat. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, okay. go ahead. So, no, um, so for about four or five chapters, uh, we thought that uh, the guy... Uh, who was posing as a doctor who we thought had the plague but didn't was uh, gay for Zobrist um, and it turns out that he was not the operative who was in love with Zobrist and actually uh, Sienna was in love with Zobrist but I love the idea of a band name gay for Zobrist <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like they could be a really really cool in the, like indie indie scene they would play the cistern yeah, no, I love the sister also right it was like the it really? was like, it was no because it was like Stefan uh, like he was like like well. Istanbul's hottest new spot is a former <laughs> 5th century cistern that's actually a housing. It's got a plague that makes you one-third sterile. Even if you, and even if it wasn't for the plague, it's still, like, damp and hot. and not <laughs> You want to go somewhere. Water. Yeah, you want to go da- somewhere damp and hot to uh, listen to classical music. Kind of. Really- it's prone to stampedes. Also, it has Robert Langdon without his memory. It has him to do that. What's funny is that Ezra is doing the hands of that Saturday Night Live character, even though this is not a video podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you got that off your chest, Ez. Uh, I'm going to go second, I think. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay, Chris, go second. No, that's okay. No, you can't go on, and then that's okay. You get one or the other. <laughs> okay. Uh, fine. I really like the reference to the publishing industry and how elitist it is. Um, for instance, Robert Langdon's editor has private jets that he could give out, but doesn't, <laughs> because Robert Langdon did not write Fifty Shades of Lost Islamic Symbols. 
<laughs> which I wouldn't read. I don't think that would be a very big seller. On the downside, we'd probably have to read it. Yeah, well, that's true. We would read it. <laughs> uh, I do, yeah, I do like the cut at Fifty Shades, and also uh, I like the idea that publishers just think that anything that you could just combine any topic with S and M, and people will buy it. Or just that that people really like the Fifty Shades construction in the title, and that's really what they're <laughs> buying. <laughs> My major compliment is a very concise, nice, sweet, to the point. Uh, this half of the book had fewer jelly bellies. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how far did you get from last week? Because you were trying to eat four pounds of jelly bellies in one No, in I, one I stopped. Go. I was only trying to do it during the show. Oh, wait, so don't you have to do that also now? This is part no, two, man. No, I don't no, see no, why no. not. No, I, get, I did it. It's already done. I know you're not. I know there aren't jelly bellies in San Antonio because they shot him into the air. But <laughs> um, but when you go home, like, for the next episode, you have to get back on the Jelly Belly train. No, no, I, I specifically what he said was, I just want to hear you eating Jelly Bellies for an entire episode, and I did that. I fulfilled okay. my destiny. Okay. You're trying to ruin my compliment by turning it into a fear for next week, but no. <laughs> it's I'm a twist. Everything you thought bellies. was wrong. You thought your company, actually, you're condemning yourself. The yeah. whole time you were actually eating steak. You thought we were your friends and the Jelly Bellies were your enemies. Actually, the Jelly Bellies are your friends and were your enemies. Oh, I hate this turn. <laughs> All right, Lisa, what's your major compliment? Um, well, I really kind of like the idea that the plague alters the hum- human genome, so we all become X-Men, but our power Ooh. is that it's we true. don't have babies. It's not having babies? That's <laughs> uh, a pretty good power. Yeah, it'd be a very convenient power. No, because some of this, it's, it's bound not to work, like, perfectly all the time. I bet, like, there will be some X-Men. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. Like, what if instead of having the power of sterility, you had the power of flight? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, it's like you, you just reroute. No, okay. both. Okay. I mean, I'll just I'll just tell you what happens then. You don't use it because it would be exhausting, and it would just after a week it would just be another form of exercise. You're no. To do. No. You ruined. What a twist! You ruined flight for me. You don't want to. You don't want to fly. It's cold up there. First of all, or you wear a flight all, suit. What if all your yeah, powers but, like but you're, made like it you're made you stable full... and it, you know comfortable at those speeds and temperatures? <laughs> no, okay. Well, then you're still in order to make it up there, your bones are going to be hollow. So you're basically begging okay, for osteoporosis. Look, Alex, stop ruining people's flying yeah, dreams. What if what if your power was that you were actually Iron Man? Like he doesn't have well, powers. Yeah. Okay. That's that you bought iron. Iron your power is that you're the very charming Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, but your power was that you're Robert Downey Jr. Like, suddenly. There's, yes, there's a sudden change. Oh, you, man. One third of the population is now Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> suddenly I'm so, 42, but infinitely more charming. Can they have babies? Oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. can't. Well, can Robert Downey Jr. have babies with Robert Downey Jr.? No. A- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess no also. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> So let's move on now for to our anchor segment, our main segment today. We're just going to go treasure hating across Europe, <laughs> mostly in Italy. Um, so in any order, what's something you guys didn't like about this half of the book? Well, how long does it take to discover a hidden message on a mask? Like that was a really long time it, to realize so that you just had to yeah. wash the mask. Yeah, they got Dante's uh, death mask, which was a thing they did in the Renaissance. And uh, they basically just had to wash the new plaster off of it to reveal a painted messages. 
And like that that was it. Like they just had to go and it would have been fine, but instead it took like a two chapters. Yeah, it was a, it was a good long time of them like, wait, maybe it's only these seven words and a comma. Maybe that's just the end of the message. Maybe, oh, eight. Maybe it's these eight words. That must be the end of them. Nine words. <laughs> it couldn't be any more than that, though. Ten <laughs> words. Holy shit. Dan that Brown just... This is where Langdon worked against himself, because any other person on this treasure hunt would see, oh, there's stuff on here. Let me wash it off. Yeah, yeah. And then they would find it in probably a minute. But Langdon took probably half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Like, yeah, thinking about every symbol. And it wasn't like time was of the essence at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, he was blown past that deadline. Here's what I hate, you guys. Nothing in the first two-thirds of the book actually happened. Yeah. Right, or or mattered. Yeah, just or, so yeah, long it was, as Robert it Langdon... Just, why didn't we just pick up this book at page 300 and just read the parts that were real? I, I mean, it was a very silly way to write a book. <laughs> but it's a good way to have a longer book. Yes. <laughs> I, the author, have been lying to you this whole time. Why? Why am I, why would I bother reading any more of your books? Also, it's, well, it's funny that, like, we're mad that this fictional thing that didn't happen also involves some other lies as well. Like, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? It's like a Tim yeah. O'Brien scenario, going after Cacciato, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy it. I guess that's true. But, but well, no, I, mean, I, I guess, I and on the bright side, at least, I, the, most of the things that happened in the first half of the book seemed ridiculous, so at least the author and I agree that that probably would not be true. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, though. It's like, look, okay, yeah, so you made us accept those ridiculous things. Fine. Now... Now those ridiculous things aren't true also? So you're just like, you're just a dick. Yeah, that's what he's just a dick. He's just a dick. You wasted 20 hours of my life. Dick Brown. Yeah, well, for a while I was like, did did I get, because I hate when I'm taken by like, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I was like, wait, no, there was, I had no other choice but to believe you. you, you. He just lied to you. It's not like you were gullible. It was just like, he told you something that wasn't true and he's the author. And I'm like, that isn't clever. That's just. Lying. And also, it's also weird when you do a take where you like su- surprise reveal and everything is less menacing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody who you thought was shooting guns were shooting fake guns. And the <laughs> only like, person who shot you with a bullet actually meant to just graze you and therefore you were just grazed. Well, he yeah, wasn't shot the, at all. The, 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 yeah, squibs everywhere. Magic. Yeah. Uh, Acting, woo! Oh, yeah, it's so it much better. It's so much better when when it's like actually, it turns out you are a hair's breadth away from danger all the time. Yeah. There was a yeah, secret exactly. team of operatives preventing you from getting into that danger, and here are all the machinations. Like, that's cool. You, and then the plague when, got out. Surprise! It's not a plague that kills people. Like, yeah. it, it really was like they they uh, they nerfed the ending of this. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they totally nerfed it. He was bumper bowling the whole time. I wonder the whole time. <laughs> what if what if the fertility didn't get, get didn't get eliminated, but for one third of the population, it just like moved to like a very different kind of process, like high fiving or something like that? Oh, oh, sure. oh man, I love high fives. I don't want that to be a potential danger. You'll have to use latex gloves now. You uh, won't be able to feel you, anything. Well, you can high five guys. <laughs> no, that'll also do it. What? No, what? How? <laughs> just well, like Chris, uh, Chris, a vector virus. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a vector virus. No, just like the next person who can get pregnant next to you will be pregnant when you when you're high five. Uh, Yikes. Um, or that's animal. an X Man power. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just causing people to be pregnant near you. Yeah. yeah. Not with my kid, just uh, with a kid. It's like, oh shit, man. <laughs> I should stop doing that. <laughs> oh shit, man, in the adventures of Honey, we need to have a talk. <laughs> now, uh, you know, for, for an evil genius, I just, I have some hates on his, his evil genius plans. I realize that it's a, it's a you know, time released cry for help. Uh, right. But at the same time, if it's going to be threatening, his it, it has flaws. So he stages it at a classical music concert. This means that the people leaving the concert, literally dozens of people are going to be <laughs> leaving and going home to retiring reclusive lives with their cats <laughs> and not really infecting ever, anybody else. That's I, it. I, the way I the way I explained that to myself, Chris was like, "Well, it's Europe. They they like weird." No, things. I can I can kind of understand because like here's the thing: it's a free concert, and like if you're traveling, <laughs> you do trick. like free things. Yeah, no, but free. It, also if you're traveling, like you're like, "Oh, hey, there's a concert in Istanbul. What are the odds that I'm in Istanbul at the same time as a free concert? Let's go to the concert." <laughs> yeah, you could. I could imagine so, like, pretty desperate. They're targeting opportunistic backpackers with no set plan. Those guys are the most promiscuous. You have to. <laughs> you have to lock that down. That's how viruses spread in two days, Chris. It's the. It's those opportunistic people. Because um, like, if there's a mouth that's a, a few feet away that's free to sneeze into, they're gonna do it. <laughs> and then, oh, they're boom. gonna do it. It was free. Oh, free mouth sneezes. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Istanbul. How could I not? What in yeah, Istanbul? At the same mouth. time as this guy's mouth being open. <laughs> um, I have one more hate, and then I'm going to ask you some other questions. But my this is my biggest hate, actually, that kept coming back to this quote that the darkest places in hell are reserved for people who stay neutral in times of moral crisis. Yeah, and I hate that. Why are the darkest places in yeah, hell not no. not reserved for the people who cause moral crisis? Well, I would say the darkest places in hell are reserved for those who really like sunlight, because those guys will hate that. Oh, that's true. That all, that's also impossible. <laughs> right? Like, the people who, like, get, like, seasonal affective disorder, those yeah. guys will be in the darkest place in hell, because, like, Satan's a dick. But why... Okay, <laughs> my point is... My point is, why are the people who remain neutral the ones who get punished the most, instead of the people who remain evil in times of well, moral crisis? because... Well, I would... Here's what I would say. The people who are evil maybe thought they were doing something that, they, that was right. You know? But Well, maybe then, the neutral people thought they were doing something right. <laughs> Maybe, maybe they're just and they lazy, weren't though. doing something evil the whole time, so that's to their credit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it just seems like a weird way to determine, like, determine. It hell. feels like you're defending them, like you want that, like they were trying to get to the evil part of hell, and then they didn't get to because they were trying too hard. No, okay, so so Zoberist <laughs> is trying to create this plague to kill everybody, uh-huh. and this other guy is like, "Well, I don't want to tell you you're wrong, <laughs> but I'm not going to encourage you either." And they're saying, Satan is like, well, listen, I, you know, plagues, that's evil. Killing everybody, that would be a shitty thing to do. But man, that guy who wasn't sure which side he was on, I need to punish him. <laughs> the guy who maybe like, saw it as more complicated and nuanced question. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but yeah, and then like the people who, you know, I guess those guys who are neutral really will just be hanging out with the seasonal affected disorder people in the darkest parts of hell. <laughs> Satan's a dick to those people with a disease that's not their fault. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? Aw oh, man, I was supposed to stop a virus, but I'm too late now. 
Uh, a third of the population is now sterile. Thanks a lot, Langdon. Yeah, nice going, Professor. Without your symbology, things could have gone really wrong. Hey now, hey now. I saved the world three other times from conspiracies. I try. Big whoop. You're about as helpful as Agent Turner Simpkins. Did someone say Turner Simpkins? Oh, hi, Professor Langdon. Simpkins, look out for that plate glass window. What'd I say, Heckler 2? Let's ditch these losers. You said it, Heckler 1. Let's amscray. Simpkins, why'd the FBI give you another helicopter? Oh, that? That's just my friend Charlie Tango. We're friends. Uh, please stop crashing me into things. You can't imagine how it feels. Anywho, sounds like you really simpkin this one up, right? You could say that. Did you know I'm too depressed to even take part in the 33% sterile orgies? Hey. Hey, big guy. You know what I do when I'm sad? You crash a helicopter. I crash a helicopter through a plate glass window. Please don't. But when that's not enough, and people are saying, Hey, Simpkins, you're not a good FBI guy. You suck. I go shopping at read-weep.com slash Amazon. It supports my favorite podcast, and then I get to buy gifts for my two favorite Charlies. Then we all go fishing. I like fishing. Thanks, Simpkins. I feel better. And besides, at least you're not that Robert Langdon guy everyone hates. Simpkins, that's exactly who I am. What did you think my first name was? I don't know. Truck? I don't even think that's a name. Awkward. Don't forget people's first names. This PSA has been brought to you by read-weep.com slash Amazon. Write it on your hand, jerk. Let's swing it one time with a new song from Tom Jones. All right. Uh, so let me. So, what do you guys think we should do? Uh, what What do you think we should do to solve overpopulation? Then, do you guys like the infer- the infertility vector? Um. God, have them. I'm listening to this book and also Fifty Shades of Grey and everybody's libido drops. No, no, nobody wants to have babies anymore. Um. I mean, I was thinking we could have like a gay for Zobrist uh, gene, where just one third of the population is super gay for Zobrist. Uh, or for why well, not for other people who are still alive? So at least they could have each other, you know. Okay, sure. Why not? I'd be into that. Well, it could make them want to adopt. I mean, that's nicer, right? Oh, yeah. oh, that's a great idea—a genetic virus that makes people want to adopt kids instead yeah. of making their own. Oh, that's brilliant. Or, or yeah, just like people, yeah, make be, them really want to get a house plant. <laughs> yeah, just be be really really into house plants like orchids yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here's the thing. I bet if there's a, a gene that made everyone really good at, like, uh, orchid care, like, that would probably take care of some uh, people who want to have kids. Cause, like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what we're talking about is a virus that causes a bunch of different things. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't want everyone to be into orchids. That would be a boring world. Like, a, pretty, th- though. A, th- a third be- of the population was growing orchids at home. Like, really well. Wait, if you had that technology, you could solve so many things. But that's... You know, mind control. Because you could solve global warming. You could solve... Yeah, by making everybody two degrees cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, that's brilliant. (laughs) Call it the chill-out syndrome. I mean, I do like the idea that it was like, that this this gene was like taking people who had traits we don't like, like racists, and then giving them something uh, to do instead of having kids, like growing orchids. (laughs) You know what? I feel like this might... This one might get away from us. <laughs> you think? This well, especially like... when those genes randomly mutate, and instead of making them, it gives them X Men powers, so all the racists can fly. <laughs> but they still want to really grow white orchids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, I feel I, like this is kind of the thing where like I need Jeff Goldblum to like tell me like why this is not a great idea, and he's just like like look, racism's gonna find a way. You can't control racism. <laughs> racism always finds a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how that would get away from us. I you know I think what I think is that because you know they mentioned some bad ideas that people have been talking about now and then dismiss them right. They say like. Uh, the condoms in Africa and colonizing the moon, but that's just not enough. So I think obviously the next step is condoms on the moon. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think we should do. That sounds like a good, like, no, it doesn't sound like a good anything. Yeah. It's like uh Trojan one eighth gravity. Huh? Right. That'd be fun. <laughs> Would that make us want to go to the moon to have sex? Well, there's free condoms there. <laughs> this is true. It's well, like going, well, I'm on the moon. So. There's also free moon rocks. Yeah. That's, there's two reasons to go there. Get your moon rocks off. <laughs> In Moonland Under the stars Under the snow Let's do the other half of our compliment sandwich, you guys. Hooray! Hooray! Lisa, you are going to be up first. What is your minor compliment? I kind of like how self-referential Dan Brown is. Um, And I love all things meta. So when Zobris, he mentions that Zobris is modifying great works of art to suit his own purposes. He's talking about himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you certainly do modify great works of art to suit your purposes i mean he doesn't like he does he didn't write his this book on the back of anybody's death mask but that's true i'm pretty sure that was the first draft though isn't that what he does isn't that the premise of all dan brown novels is to pretend that works of art have hidden things in them absolutely yeah definitely oh it's meta hooray yeah that's (laughs) likable uh so i mean it's my turn um i my favorite thing by far is the consortium it turns out isn't evil it's just a company of actors. Yeah, hang on. <laughs> it's like the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the game. And they, they are just great actors. And I think that's awesome because, uh, A, it's hard to find work as actors. True. It's true. And it, was, yeah, it really paid did. well. Like, really well. It, yeah, I'm sure it did. I bet it had good company. benefits as well. They were, they were, oh, yeah, benefits for an actor? That's awesome. And, I mean, they must have had benefits because they were like... Paying actors to convince the world to go into war in Iraq. Like, mm-hmm. it was their, that level of acting. Uh, and I also like that because now we can't trust anything they say after they've told us that. Because they could be acting still. <laughs> so maybe they're all dinosaurs. You have no idea. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me the long con that would involve them actually being dinosaurs. <laughs> well, well they come to steal this world's energy... Great. So they came through a tube, <laughs> right? An interdimensional tube because there was a there was a crystal and something yeah. something jumping boots. Right, and then and we need then, two plumbers. Yeah, we need two plumbers <laughs> from Brooklyn with it. a lot of attitude. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay. I mean, it, really the long con with them being dinosaurs could just be don't let the world find out we're dinosaurs. <laughs> that's not a long con, that's just a secret. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure, fine. That's not a long con, it's just a secret. Uh and they're, see- and they're such good actors that they can act like they're not dinosaurs. <laughs> Through, I picture, a series of elaborate wig changes. And, <laughs> and like, it's like T-Rex, but with, with sticks uh, to pretend he has longer arms. <laughs> <laughs> or he, and, he's, and he's just wearing a trench coat and a hat. Yeah. Like, 
people can't tell. <laughs> and someone's like, dinosaurs, they're all among us. But like no yeah. one believes him till the third act. <laughs> yeah. Right. You have a lot of conversations like, oh, do you think I pass? <laughs> or That would or be a better it's, book. It's, it's like three of the little spitting dinosaurs on each other's shoulders wearing one big trench coat. Oh, sure. Those guys are tiny. Uh, they, have to pre- they have to pretend to pee or something, and so they just open the coat and one of them just, just spits. spits. <laughs> <laughs> Remember they all do, though? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I just really had to go. Sometimes three streams, you know what I'm saying? I'm a person. I'm totally a human, guys. <laughs> Chris, what is your minor compliment? My minor compliment is that this book actually did make me think a lot about uh, the information age. Oh, yeah. And, you know, these characters are basically running around and a, a quick Google search or, like, a better Google search, maybe a Bing, could have, like, you know, solved all their problems. They had to spend, like, two hours trying to figure out what this thing meant in Italian. It turns out it was the sunken palace. They could have just right. Google translated this thing in Venice and it would have said, Sunken Palace, do you mean this place? Here are directions. Let me point you out. Yeah. And, like, you know, they were, you know, spent forever trying to get a signal in the basement of St. Mark's. I mean, it, you know, there's just all these different things where it's like, oh, man, we depend on this stuff a little too much. And Dan Brown, Daniel Brown, uh, really pointed that out. Um, Indiana Jones never had an iPhone, and he did great. I actually and, liked this, like, because there were several times where she, uh, where Sienna was using an iPhone, and, uh, uh, Robert Langdon was uh, was not. He was trying to remember it, and they were sort of racing. And I really liked that, like sort of like a John Henry feel to the whole thing. Yeah, got to re- re- it's like, re- the first one to remember their way through this mountain. Exactly and, right. <laughs> and you know he's just going to die at the end from remembering too hard, but at least he will have beaten the computer. That's right. <laughs> Which is also how I believe that game of chess with Deep Blue ended, and also what happened at the end of that Jeopardy game. The, the people always die, right? <laughs> Yeah, they like beat the computer, but then they die from exertion. That's that's the way sports work, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barishnikov couldn't outdance the robot, so he couldn't. So he died. So I mean, he well, died, he and then guest out. starred as an undead zombie in Sex and the City, <laughs> and Dancing with the Zombies. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great thing. Dancing with the Dead Stars would be a very different show. Oh, what you if put that's that it? out like, there? Right? It's gonna happen. One, <laughs> one third of the population just becomes zombies. Yeah. You know, oh, I think you'd have good. to pick your zombie pretty carefully because you want to go with somebody who's well-known as going to get you votes, mm-hmm. but you don't want to go with somebody who's died so long ago that they're decomposing. Wait, wait, well, wait. wait. So, in this model, Chris, are you the dance professional? No, I think the zombies are the professionals. I yeah. don't think... I, I think it's whoever can dance with the zombie the best and win America's hearts. Because Dancing with the Stars... Yeah, Dancing with the Stars, one half of them are good dancers. Yeah, and the other half are professionals. Stars. It's not that, like... Well, neither of them are zombies. zombies so, like, what is your point? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Neither of them are zombies. So you think you can so. zombie dance was the model I was going after. I'm sorry. Okay. Or oh, America's okay. Next Top Zombie? Yes, that's right. Tyra Banks just goes... Brain. That actually carries well over yeah, the Yeah, show. I actually yeah. watched that. As, um, uh, why don't you just uh, turn off the internet and start complimenting? Great. Um, well, I, I guess just I'll use your memory. I have a new compliment, I guess, that kind of came out of that. Um, so the, the big thing was that all... Every single like part of uh, Dante's infer- of the Divine Comedy ends with the word stars, which means that Dan Brown totally could have ended uh, this book with, and then Robert Langdon went to watch Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there, guys? See? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to have a side note compliment to myself for, making, for writing the note, how did Tubby die? 
this El, big El guy who, who's obese who runs the museum who's his friend who died of a heart attack. But we thought right. he didn't die of the heart attack. We thought maybe he died of the plague. Did we ever I find thought anything of that else too. out about him? I, but, like, but how did he die? It was just a heart attack. It was just a heart attack from being obese? Yeah. Do you Sometimes think he was scared by dying. the actors and then he died? Is that... Yeah, wait, if they were actors, why was he so terrorized? Were they, were they terrorizing him too if he was not involved? Yeah, I think so. Because he had the mask. Acting like I think he just, no, I think he just went home and just had a heart attack. Like... He was fine otherwise. That's he he, too convenient. Yeah. I mean, Langdon didn't use his, like, huge powers of deduction. I mean, this is the same guy who sees a river of blood and thinks someone must be injured. <laughs> like, this, he's not exactly like... Yeah, Chris, what if they tripped and fell into the river of blood? That would hurt. Wait, and wait, the river of blood, though, was like, wait, it's not blood, it's water. Yeah, I know, but when he thought it was blood. But that was ridiculous. His first thought is... Some, something, yeah. Somebody must be injured, guys. It tastes like crystal light, but without the sweetness. <laughs> somebody is, is bleeding crystal light light. Somebody's really watered down the lemonade. <laughs> and they're bleeding it. My God, what kind of plague is this? <laughs> that is the level of deduction that it seems like Robert Langdon has. One of the stuff that isn't involving, involving a painting. It ends with him unstealing a mask, which I, I really think that security needs to, like... <laughs> they really need to check their security as long as all their thieves just like a kind of a sense of completion then they're fine but if not they're screwed yeah. well they do have you know a lot of places now a lot of art museums they do have security checking your bags on the way in to make sure you're not smuggling any artwork that you stole back into the museum <laughs> stole so defaced and then claim it's okay because that part doesn't face the public yeah right <laughs> right well he didn't deface it he like refaced it. It was the poem someone else had defaced it with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that thing that he spent two chapters washing, and he's like, no, 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 it's cool, guys. The public doesn't actually see that side of the map. It felt like it was paced like The Hobbit, you know, where it's just like, and now here's a whole chapter where Robert Langdon is washing a mask. The hardest part about reading this was reading it in 48 frames per second. It just seemed surreal. It looks unreal, yeah. What if the, the like, what if the disease, like, made, like, one-third of the population just better at editing? You know? <laughs> It okay. turned them into X-Men and their power was to keep movies from going over two hours. Oh, God, that'd be great. Oh, man, I'd love that X-Men power. But we'd or, still and, die of overpopulation. Yeah, but we'd see way more movies before that happened. <laughs> yeah, and what if, what if before we died of overpopulation, they also reduced the number of unnecessary sequels? <gasps> oh. I don't but know. That, I kind of cherish. Lisa, if you could flip a switch right now that would kill half the population, but would keep movies from going into third and fourth versions when they don't need to. But we would wouldn't have Iron Man 3. Even though Iron Man 2 was a little weak. Yeah. And we, and we wouldn't have Fast 5 or Fast 6, even though Too Fast, Too Furious was some bullshit. Okay. Well, Chris, I said, I said unnecessary. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Wait, there are like half of us die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now the show becomes a two-person show. At least we never have to watch Toy Story 4. Yeah. Hey, if a third of the population dies, like 1.3 of us will die. This just got real, guys. <laughs> I realize I know at least three I hope people. It's Chris and Lisa's left leg. Oh, what do you have against my left leg? Well, we had to well, choose which just... leg was better, and that's oh. that one lost. Yeah, I figure I figure you're right-legged. Actually, most righties are left-legged. What? What? Citation needed. That's your that's your pivot because your right your right torso is opposite. There's a reason why righties snowboard regular instead of goofy. Most of them. Oh, you're so right. 
Maybe, Chris, the reason they don't ride Goofy is because the name for that other style of snowboarding for just turning your feet around is kind of a pejorative. <laughs> They're kind of dicks about just turning your feet around. They're like, oh, whatever, Goofy. Is this news to you that snowboarders are kind of dicks? <laughs> the darkest place in hell are for, for snowboarders who are kind of dicks. <laughs> for our show you guys next week we are talking about the movie showgirls whoa this, uh, yeah we will be back talking about that it was sponsored by bridget and bridget says quote it was delightfully awful and will make you feel unclean <laughs> <laughs> a new change for us yeah finally one of those yeah so, I'm, I'm so tired of all these feelings of clean yeah just don't shower you'll be fine <laughs> this today's episode is sponsored by irish spring <laughs> Wouldn't you uh, like to peel your soap like a potato? <laughs> <laughs> that is not their motto, Chris. Uh, it might be. <laughs> Someone tell I mean, me what their motto is right now without looking up. If that, if they don't know, that's what it is. Isn't it for all your 33 It's the one that's green. It's the one that's green. The darkest places in hell are those who are racist against the Irish. I mean, that was more like racist for the Irish. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's the one that's green. I guy guy guy. That's the packaging. Uh, <laughs> uh, you slay me, Chris. All right. Uh, anyway, so join us for that week. Uh, that next week, that delightful thing and that racism. Uh, for all your one thousand Irish parts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's next week. Uh, join us again for that. If you have any feedback for us, read slash contact. Uh, sponsored episode. We'll have time for some coming up soon. So sponsor away. And uh, we got some very special episodes coming up. We're getting, coming up on episode 200, which is going to be really super cool. Um, we're coming up on a, our very special wedding episode. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, so a lot of good stuff. So join us for that. Uh, see Walter Smith and at Ezra Fox on Twitter. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for coming, you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sitting close enough to each other that you could kiss but didn't. You don't know that. <laughs> well, we don't know that. Not audibly kissing. <laughs> As you do know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I have amnesia. <laughs> he doesn't remember the last two makeouts. Chris is just an actor pretending to make out with you. Lisa, what's your favorite thing on the internet this week? I guess Vlogbrothers. Hank Green. Was? Hank Green. John Green, the Vlogbrothers. Oh, what do they do? Um, they talk to each other via YouTube instead of actually calling each other. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right, well, everybody check that out. Lisa likes it, and thanks for joining us, Lisa. All right, see ya. All right, everybody, we'll be back in next week. Goodbye. If you want to be with me, I'll be with you.